The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC, and here is your top five at five. And here we go again. Stock futures down big over 500 points. and We can wipe out all and more of the gains from yesterday. This, as the CEO of Moderna and some new comments overnight, cast some doubt on how well the current vaccines will work against the latest strain of COVID. Also worried, Fed Chair Jay Powell, as he prepares to testify in front of Congress today alongside Janet Yellen. Oil also being hit back below 70, but does this all but guarantee OPEC stops adding new oil now to the market? And CEOs are speaking out over the global supply chain shock. President Biden pledges to do more, but is there anything really anyone can do? It is Tuesday, November 30th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Thank you very much for joining us on what will be another very busy day on Wall Street. Let's get right to it on this final trading day of November. Stock futures, they are down sharply across the board. We are seeing Dow futures off just about 500 points. NASDAQ futures off about six-tenths of 1%. If you want to find a silver lining at all, we are actually a little bit above session lows. You can see we hit those right around 1 a.m. Eastern time this morning. Uh, it is being attributed by some traders to what appear to be new comments from Moderna's CEO to the Financial Times, saying that he is worried about a, quote, material drop in his vaccine's effectiveness against the new COVID strain. Bertha Coombs will have more on that in just a moment. And it may not, of course, be the entire reason that we are seeing stocks and futures down. It could be options activity or other technical factors. Either way, the markets are clearly nervous once again. With that move, bond yields are also coming down sharply as well, with benchmark 10-year yields continuing to be below 1.5%. Oil getting knocked more than 2%. Oil traded here just over $68 a barrel. We'll get more on oil and what OPEC may now do on Thursday. In just a moment, also not looking so hot for crypto and Bitcoin in particular as well. The cryptos, again, we had the everything rally. We talked about it. Everything had come up at the same time. It appears that when the selling hits, it's kind of the sell everything rally as well. Well, although I will say that Ethereum is actually just up or we'll call it flat, but up a couple of ticks. And in the gold and silver markets as well, which have tended to be more of kind of a, a safe haven trade. People get nervous. They tend to buy gold and silver. We are seeing that, too. In fact, Comex Gold is up just under $14 an ounce. So pretty much sell the risk assets, buy bonds, and buy gold this morning here. Well, that's here. Let's get a check around the world and Europe as well. A lot of red arrows there, too. Let's get the trade, some of the headlines. Juliana Tatelbaum is in our London newsroom with that. Good morning, Juliana. 
Brian, good morning. Well, European equities have been tracking uh, basically what you've seen in U.S. futures, as you just outlined. Currently, we've bounced off the lows of the morning, but we have broad-based selling taking place. So red across the board from uh, both a regional and a sector perspective. And this follows a rebound yesterday with European equities uh, staging a pretty solid recovery after Friday's steep sell-off. Those Moderna CEO comments in the Financial Times certainly getting a lot of attention over here. A lot of analysts, though, saying he didn't actually say a whole lot new, yet the explicit comments seem to be spooking investors. So red across the board from a regional perspective, led by Spanish equities down about 1.8%. This is the picture in terms of sectors this morning. Uh, we've got red across the board from a sector perspective as well. Leading losses, oil and gas down about 2.7% alongside that pullback in the oil price, as you pointed out. Travel and leisure also underperforming down about 2.6% alongside autos. On the other side of the board, we've got healthcare, media, and utilities proving the most resilient uh, parts of the market, those defensive names getting uh, more traction this morning as investors sell those cyclical reopening stocks. Brian, we'll hand it back over to you. Yeah, you know, Juliana, though, I'll come back to you very quickly here because, I get, again, we are the interview in the Financial Times, he, he did sound maybe a little more alarmed than he was in the interview on CNBC yesterday. But I, I read the article and said he's not saying that we're in big trouble. He just said that people are worried. There's also other things going on. We've got an inflation number coming out of the, e, the EU, which is about 5% German inflation is a record high going back 30-some years. There's concern about monetary supply, moves in currencies. It is not just about this new COVID variant, it appears. I, I, Brian, absolutely. I, I think, um, as you said, I mean, there wasn't a huge amount new. Yes, he sounded a little bit more downbeat than uh, perhaps what he said yesterday in the CNBC interview. But certainly those other factors are front of mind here in Europe. Would we'll also mention um, that we've already heard this morning from various EU authorities that they are stepping up measures to accelerate booster campaigns and accelerate the uh, primary vaccine campaigns as well. So perhaps that's part of why we're seeing uh, markets bounce off the lows of the morning. Yeah, we'll see. And uh, by the way, just a reminder to everybody, when the Delta variant was named a variant concern, the S&P 500 fell just under 5%. We're down about 3% from the first concerns about Omicron. So we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. Juliana Tadabam, thank you very much. Now let's get more on those comments from Moderna's CEO, as well as a few other key headlines. Bertha Coombs is here with that and more. Bertha, good morning. Good morning, Brian. It is a matter of tone, it seems here. Moderna CEO Stefan Bancel echoing comments he made on CNBC yesterday, now predicting that existing vaccines will be much less effective at tackling Omicron than earlier strains of COVID-19. And he's warning that it will take months before pharmaceutical companies could manufacture new variant-specific boosters at scale. Speaking with the Financial Times, Bancel says, quote, there's no world, I think, where the effectiveness is the same level. We had the Delta variant. Adding, quote, I think it's going to be a material drop in efficacy. I just don't know how much because we need to wait for the data. But all the scientists I've talked to are like, this is not going to be good. 
Bonsell's comments come just hours after Fed Chairman Jay Powell, in prepared comments to Senate lawmakers ahead of testimony today, said that the recent uptick in COVID cases poses a threat to the U.S. economy and muddle an already uncertain inflation outlook. On the booster front, meantime, the FDA could reportedly authorize COVID-19 boosters from Pfizer and BioNTech for use in 16- and 17-year-olds as soon as next week, according to The Wall Street Journal. Right now, only those 18 years and older are eligible for boosters. And this coming as the CDC is now upping its recommendation on booster shots, telling all adults they should, quote, should get boosters, adding the recent emergence of the Omicron variant emphasizes the importance of vaccination, boosters and prevention efforts needed to protect against COVID-19. Earlier language simply said all adults may get boosters. But now, Brian, they're really emphasizing, go ahead and do it. Okay, there we go. And we also don't know if Omicron is actually more virulent. It may be more transmissible. Doesn't mean it's more dangerous. There is still so much we do not know. Exactly. Thanks. We'll see in a few minutes. All right. Well, let's get back now to the markets and what is looking like. It could be another tough day for stocks. And bring in Dory Wiley, CEO of Commerce Street Capital. Dory, welcome. Good to have you on. Clearly, the markets are nervous, whether it's entirely on this new strain this morning or on other things. I want to remind our audience that the S&P 500 fell 4.5% from May 6th to May 10th when we had all the similar headlines about the Delta variant. We're up 10% since that time. Do you feel like the market is kind of redoing the playbook from some of the other scares of this kind that we have had? Absolutely. It's fear-driven uh, at this point. Uh, we don't know a lot about the Omicron virus. Uh, we don't know uh, uh, other than that it, it, it's spreading. Uh, it seems to be uh, uh, out there in, in about a dozen countries and that it has mild symptoms. And so uh, we seem to know less about it than we do Delta at this point. So the market hates uncertainty. It just doesn't know. Uh, and it, it wants to get its hands around it, and, and it can't. So I, I think that creates buying opportunities. Well, yeah. <clears throat> and again, Morgan Stanley yesterday says that that Omicron will become the new Delta, that they anticipate this will become sort of Delta basically is COVID at this point, or at least was. They believe Omicron will become it and probably something after that. You said buying opportunities. Were you or your clients buyers on Friday, buyers yesterday? Are, are you buyers long term? on any weakness in this equity market? Yeah, I, I think we're under some several areas that we're focusing. Uh, well, first of all, you know, uh, the market's been extremely strong. Expected earnings have uh, changed on the street about 23% this year. And if you look at the S&P, that's about what has grown this year. So the multiple's been high all year, but it hasn't expanded. Uh, it has been uh, fundamentally based. So when we get these dips like this on fear, uh, it's a great time to buy energy. It's a great time to buy uh, banks, which have been trading at a discount to the rest of the market, particularly those with some fintech upside. And it's a great time to buy consumer staples where you can get some really good yield. So you're a buyer of energy. Even with oil prices falling, uh, you think it's a long-term, uh, a positive bet? Absolutely. Uh, we, we've got a uh, supply problem here in the U.S., uh, with limitations on drilling and fracking on uh, federal land. This pushes a real positive to those energy companies that are out in the Permian, somebody like a, a pioneer, but you can still do very well on a Chevron. And oil 
uh, is, pro is probably, you know, no one knows for sure, but oil is probably going to go higher from here. That's the general consensus. You got OPEC looking at, uh, uh, you know, forcing prices up as much as they can right now. So all the stars are kind of aligned for higher oil in the, in the near future. And uh, we're very bullish on energy stocks. Okay, well, we're going to be talking a lot about energy. Big, big oil conference in Houston next week as well, and it could not be more timely. We will be on the ground. Dory Wiley, Commerce Street Capital, adding a little voice of calm to the market this morning, and we appreciate it. Dory, have a good day. Thank you very much. Thank All right, you. when we come back, much more, as always, on this morning's market action. Stock futures down about 500 points right now. NASDAQ futures off about six-tenths of 1%. Plus, why your next guest says a worldwide vaccination push and not travel bans are the best weapon in fighting Omicron. And later on, the early results are in for Monday's online shopping spree. And maybe it wasn't as much of a spree as you might have thought. A lot more to do. Oil down, crypto down. We're back right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Summer. The best time of year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. All right, welcome or welcome back and good Tuesday morning, everybody. It's a market alert because it could be another tough day for stocks. Not looking quite as bad as Friday as it did at this hour, but make no light. We are seeing stock features down fairly sizably. Dow features off 472 points. That is about 1.3%. NASDAQ holding up a little bit better. That index down about one half of 1%. The S&P down about 1% as well. Uh, it is being attributed, at least by some traders, to some new comments in the Financial Times by the CEO of Moderna overnight, suggesting that he is a little more worried than previously thought about his the efficacy of the Moderna vaccine on this new Omicron variant as well. As you can see, we are seeing the energy complex get hit hard as well. Many of the oil stocks are down. The price of oil is down more than 2%. And this is not helping Moderna as well. Shares of Moderna are actually down just about 3% on that news, although I will note that Pfizer shares are indeed higher. All right, as always, more in the market. Send your money in moments. But now let's get some of this morning's top other corporate stories. And here's a bit of a shocker, I guess. Online sales growth was flat year over year for yesterday, what is typically the busiest online shopping day of the year, going back to the age when computers were a new thing. According to Adobe, as of 9 p.m. last night, consumers spent $7.1 billion online. That number expected to grow to between $10.4 and $11.1 billion once the final tally is in. 
course, that may be because so many people actually got back out to actual physical stores this year and just didn't sit online like last year. What has certainly been a rough few months for pure play e-commerce names like Stitch Fix, Poshmark, Chewy, Wayfair, they're all way down in November. Look at those charts. Not pretty. Also, Walmart CEO Doug McMillan is praising the government's efforts to try to ease supply chain bottlenecks, highlighting decisions around extending port hours as having a positive impact on the flow of goods inland. McMillan adding his company alone has seen a 51% improvement in the flow through Southern California ports, although industry trade publication World Freight says the number of ships actually stuck offshore isn't really any smaller. They've simply just been pushed farther offshore to not crowd areas where they can be seen and gum up the environment. And hedge fund Bluebell Capital Partners is asking Glencore to spin off its thermal coal business because they believe it's become a barrier to investment. The fund says the giant commodities company could realize more value if it separates that business from the others. All right. As we showed you, oil is back down again here and globally this morning. It is on concerns about global growth over supply hitting at the same time as the release of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Crude oil down 2.5% here and in Europe. All this, by the way, occurring just two days before OPEC Plus meets on Thursday and could this downturn in prices, along with that release of those emergency reserves, give OPEC the ability under its deal to pause its plans to add new barrels to the market? Let's talk more now about this with Amina Bakker, Dubai Deputy Bureau Chief and Chief OPEC Correspondent for Energy Intelligence. And again, somebody, one of the few people that come on that I've said I can see at every single OPEC meeting back, of course, Amina, when we did those things again, and I certainly hope we do uh, you had a new piece out. You think that there is a decent chance that uh, His Highness Abdulaziz bin Salman and OPEC and Russia, they will take a pause. Hi, Brian. Thanks uh, for having me on the show. Now, um, it's really unclear what the final decision is going to be. You know how tricky these OPEC plus meetings get. And uh, for the time being, I mean, the statements that we've been seeing uh, from uh, Novak and His Highness Prince Abdulaziz is that they're not concerned about the virus uh, mutation. They've kind of downplayed those concerns. Um, however, there are factors, uh, there are issues in the markets that to, to be addressed. You mentioned the SBR release, the huge drop that we saw on Friday, and including an internal report that we had uh, a look at at Energy Intelligence, uh, which came from the Secretariat and will be presented at the JTC, which includes concerns over a, a faster than usual buildup in stocks by 2022. So all of these issues, Brian, I would suspect uh, are going to be discussed thoroughly by the group. But uh, however, the final decision, it's uh, its really difficult to say at the moment. Yeah, and they're looking, they look about a year out. And according to your article, it, they're looking at potentially a million barrels a day of excess supply on the market globally by the, by the tail end of next year. OPEC's not worried about tomorrow or next week. They're worried about, you know, the next six to 12 months. And when they look out, apparently, according to you and some others, Amina, they don't like what they see. 
Absolutely. They don't like what they see. And uh, Brian, we all know that uh, His Highness Prince Abdulaziz always likes to take a very cautious approach and preemptive approach uh, to markets. And uh, what happened on Friday, this huge sell off, the drop of $10 um, really wanted. I mean, this is the reason that we're seeing a lot of these technical meetings that were supposed to happen earlier in the week get delayed because they want to observe the market more. They want to understand, is there a structural problem in, in this market uh, that needs to be addressed by a policy change? Or is it just a one-off case uh, and they could just continue with the increments? Just one note on the increments, Brian, that uh, the, the increments of 400,000 barrels a day, we all know and we've seen uh, various secondary sources indicate that not the full 400,000 is being delivered to the market. It's under that because a lot of OPEC countries can't meet their quotas. So uh, in any case, uh, the oil coming from OPEC is uh, has been short of, of the 400,000. Yeah, very important point that everybody says, why don't they just add the 400,000 barrels a day? The reality is because some countries have kind of let their facilities idle. They simply do not have the ability to do that. Amina Bakker, I will see you, I guess, virtually on that OPEC meeting call on Thursday. Thanks for your insight. We appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. All right. Oh, you're very welcome. All right. Amina Bakker of Energy Intels. We had to break. Let's get a check on the macro markets once again and some of the players inside of this market. Dow futures off nearly 500 points. Again, concerns about some of this new COVID variant, Omicron coming out and Omicron, excuse me, checking airline action as well. We are seeing the airline stocks down two and a half to one percent. So not a big hit to the airlines like we saw last Friday when they were down seven to 10 percent. Cruise lines as well. They got hit even harder last Friday. They are in the red but they are not down again as much as they were on Friday. Either way, oil down more than 2%, markets off 500 in Dow futures, and we are back. Grab another cup of coffee. Wex returns right after this. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. All right, welcome more. Welcome back, everybody, and good Tuesday morning, I guess. Grab another cup of coffee because it could be another wild day on Wall Street. We are seeing futures down on the Dow, 500 points. That's about 1.5%. Now, the NASDAQ, it is holding up better as technology has lately. NASDAQ futures off just about six-tenths of 1%. It is on concerns about this new strain, Omicron. Kind of shades of May, remember, when the Delta strain news really hit and the S&P 500 fell about 4% before rebounding. We're down about 2% from our highs coming into today. We'll get more on this 
and show you some charts coming up in your RBI. In the meantime, let's get a check on this morning's other top headlines outside of the world of money and business alone. For that, NBC's Philip Mena in New York. Philip, good morning. Hi, Brian. Good morning. A federal judge has blocked the Biden administration from enforcing a COVID vaccine mandate on thousands of healthcare workers in 10 states. The ruling said the regulations from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services were issued improperly. The court also said the agency did not have the authority to issue its vaccine mandate without congressional approval. The temporary ruling applies to the 10 states that sued over the mandate. Bill Cosby's prosecutors have filed a petition with the U.S. Supreme Court to reinstate sexual assault charges filed against him. The 84-year-old actor was released from prison in June when the verdict was overturned by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court due to a former prosecutor's 2005 press release stating that he would not prosecute Cosby due to lack of evidence. Montgomery County District Attorney Kevin Steele wrote that the ruling to overturn Cosby's conviction will have, quote, far-reaching negative consequences. Cosby's spokesperson called the effort to revive the case a pathetic last-ditch effort that will not prevail and called Steele obsessed with the actor. And the college football coaching carousel continues to spin. From South Bend down to Baton Rouge, LSU is tapping Notre Dame's Brian Kelly to fill their head coaching position next year. Kelly is the winningest head coach in fighting Irish history and will take over a program, an LSU program, whose last three head coaches all won national titles. The Athletic reports Kelly told his Notre Dame team, ranked sixth in the nation right now, that he would meet with them in the morning. This news comes just one day after Oklahoma head coach Lincoln Riley filled USC's coaching vacancy. So some big names hopping programs. Brian, back to you. Yeah, still waiting for, for my name, my team, Virginia Tech, to get a, to get a new coach as well. And, but apparently, I guess there will be some availabilities. Philip Mena, thank you very much. All right. All right. On deck. The latest of the new developments around COVID and what your next guest says may be the best way to combat this latest variant of concern. Maybe also a little good news from his state of Georgia as well. Not a lot of good news in the equity markets. Dow futures off 500. Oil down more than 2% as well. We are back right after this. All right, welcome or welcome back, everybody, and good Tuesday morning. I am Brian Sullivan. Thanks for joining us here on Worldwide Exchange. And we are seeing a bit of a market sell-off again today, not quite to the level that we saw on Friday, but we are seeing Dow futures off about 505 points right now. We are just off our session lows. NASDAQ futures look to be holding up a little bit better. In fact, you can see fair value slightly in the green. NASDAQ futures off about one-half of 1%, but Dow futures down about 1.5% again on global growth concerns all surrounding perhaps, according to traders anyway, some new concerns about this COVID strain. But keep this in mind also because it's very easy to say, well, here's why stocks are down or here's why they're up. There's so much more always underlying that as well. You got inflation running hot. UK inflation, EU inflation nearly 5%. You got the US dollar being much stronger. We had all these underlying options moves on Friday, which accentuated the downside, some of that got sorted out yesterday. So, again, you're going to see some easy headlines saying it's this or that, when in reality, the market far more complicated than just one headline. Either way, as futures go down, bonds are getting bought, a flight to safety. We are seeing the 10-year yield back below 1.5. In fact, it's at 1.42%. The European market's doing what our futures markets are doing. They are in the red across the board as well. Crude oil, it is down 2.5%. 
back just above 68 bucks a barrel. Got this OPEC meeting on Thursday. We just talked about it. Will this slide? Will some of these new concerns, will the release from our emergency reserves give OPEC the ability to pause its deal and not put 400,000 new barrels a day onto the market every month like it had planned to do? We got to tune in on Thursday and find out. We're seeing a mixed trade in crypto. Bitcoin down about 1300 bucks, but Ethereum is actually slightly higher right now. All right, there's your markets. Let's get now some of this morning's top stories and developments, including more around the new COVID-19 strain called Omicron. Bertha Coombs is here now with more on that. Bertha. Good morning, Brian. Moderna CEO Stefan Bancel is predicting that existing vaccine will be much less effective at tackling Omicron than earlier strains of COVID-19. And he's warning that it could take months before pharmaceutical companies could manufacture new variant-specific boosters at scale. Speaking with the Financial Times, Bancel said, quote, there is no world, I think, where the effectiveness is the same level we had with the Delta variant. Adding, I think it's going to be a material drop in efficacy. I just don't know how much because we need to wait for the data. But all the scientists I've talked to are like, this is not going to be good. And in comments to CNBC yesterday, Bonsell said he is also concerned about the speed at which Omicron could become the new dominant strain worldwide. I think it was a big surprise to the scientific community. I don't believe many people would have predicted such a big jump in evolution uh, in one, one variant. Uh, what we also know is that it's taking over Delta in South Africa very quickly. It took around four months for Delta to take over Beta. And it seems it's taking just a couple of weeks for this new variant to take over uh, Delta. So that's something to, to keep in mind. Now, Bonsell's comments to the FT come just hours after Fed Chair Jerome Powell's prepared remarks were released in a statement to Senate lawmakers ahead of uh, his testimony today. He said the recent uptick in COVID cases poses a threat to the U.S. economy and muddle an already uncertain inflation outlook. Now, on the booster front, the FDA could reportedly authorize COVID-19 boosters from Pfizer and BioNTech for use in 16 and 17-year-olds as soon as next week, according to the Wall Street Journal. Right now, only those 18 years and older are eligible for those boosters. But of course, Brian, the CDC now sort of saying folks should get a booster, not just that they can, but they're urging people to get a booster when they are available. But again, with this Omicron, we still have a week or two before we really have more concrete data about what really is going on with this strain. It's going to take some time, and let's talk more now about it right now. Bertha Coombs, thank you. All right, for more now on the concerns surrounding this new variant. Oh, and by the way, the current COVID, which still exists in the United States, let's not forget that. Let's bring in Dr. Carlos Del Rio, Executive Associate Dean at Emory University School of Medicine. Dr. Del Rio, thank you very much for joining us. Always value your insight here because there's, again, like Delta back in May, there's so much we don't know. There's a lot of scary headlines. We hear words like, variants, mutations, spike proteins. You're a doctor. I'm not, and I guarantee you 99.9% of the audience watching is not. From a doctor's perspective, what do we need to do? What do we need to know? And maybe does the media need to be a little more patient around this? 
Well, Brian, first of all, thank you uh, and good morning. I think there are a couple things that are very important. Number one, what you mentioned previously is Delta is not gone. We still have a significant problem with Delta in our country, a lot of transmission. Uh, we have no evidence yet of Omicron being diagnosed in our country. It will be. It will be here. But I think at this point in time, rather than worrying about Omicron, we need to start worrying about Delta. We still have a lot to do. We need to be sure to get our, our COVID vaccine if we haven't been vaccinated. If we have been vaccinated, go ahead and get your booster. Continue wearing your mask when you are in crowded indoor spaces and continue you know, doing the things we've talked about. We know how to prevent transmission of this illness. But the most important thing to remind people is this pandemic is not over. Yeah, and, and it's an important point, Dr. Del Rio. And is it also important, and please, if it is not safe, Sullivan, you're, you're wrong, is that the, the folks I've talked to, a lot of which are not on camera, they will not go on the screen, doctors here in New Jersey, elsewhere in the country have said, this is endemic, We're get, Omicron's the latest strain, there'll be another one after that, and another one after that. They do find some hope, and I spoke with somebody last night, a virologist, who suggested the more mutations mean it might be weakening, it might be more transmissible, but less severe, less worrisome in its outcomes. What do you think would ultimately happen? How, how long will this go on? Well, without doubt, uh, you know, COVID is here for a long time. We, we're not going to be over anytime soon. And I think a lot of places are going to start seeing COVID transition to a more of an endemic disease. But the reality is, as long as there's a pandemic globally, we are going to see new strains emerge. We are going to see new variants emerge. As the CEO of Moderna said, this is a very unusual strain. It's a very quick evolution, but it has a lot of mutations. And, you know, we have a lot to be learned on this on this Omicron strain. But what I hear from colleagues in South Africa is, yes, it is it is very transmissible. It's causing a lot of cases. It's causing a slight increase in hospitalizations already. But I also hear that in many of the people that are getting infected, the disease is not as severe. And many of those are already vaccinated individuals. So, again, I think the most important thing is if you're vaccinated, you may not prevent infection, but you probably still prevent, even with the vaccines not being as effective against this new strain, you probably still prevent severe disease and hospitalization. This is such an important point that you are making. And again, I'm just reading and trying to learn from you and many other experts on the air, off the air as well. We hear things like more mutations, you know, in a headline or on TV. That sounds scary, doctor. We hear things like, Variant. These are scary words nowadays. But does more mutations necessarily mean more dangerous? Well, we don't know. Some of the mutations that this virus has do increase transmission, do decrease, you know, the efficacy of antibody treatments, do decrease the efficacy of vaccines. But we don't know if the virus, by having all these mutations, is in effect compromising its ability to do other things. So it may be that, yes, maybe it's more transmissible, but it's less severe. You know, we don't know. We still need, and what I think we need is a little bit of patience to let the science tell us what's going on. I think a lot of people are looking at this. The good news is as, as information is evolving, we are learning it. We're communicating constantly with scientists around the world, and we're hearing very quickly what's happening in South Africa, in Europe, and many other places that I think is going to help us inform what we need to do. Here in the U.S., what we need to do is pretty clear. We got to get people vaccinated. We got to get people boosted. We have to continue wearing masks. And again, I really want to emphasize the importance of testing. Rapid testing is very good at, at identifying this variant. And using testing yeah. more effectively is a good way to prevent transmission in many settings, including, for example, in family gatherings. Okay. 
Yeah, exactly. Do the test before Thanksgiving or Christmas, whatever it is. Doctor, I got to let you go, but very quickly, leave us with a little bit of good news. I know seasonality is a dirty word. You guys had a terrible spike in Georgia a couple of months ago. The data I'm seeing suggests cases and hospitalizations, thankfully, appear to be way down, correct? Absolutely. We are doing okay in Georgia right now. We're, we're seeing a nice, you know, a nice reprieve from this infection, and we're hoping to continue it this way. Good news. Leaving us with a little bit here with so many unknowns. Dr. Carlos Del Rio, thank you, sir. Have a good day. Do appreciate that. Futures in the third. By the way, cases all across the South are way, way off. 90% in some cases as well. Spiking, of course, in the Northeast and Upper Midwest. All right. Dow futures, they're doing the opposite of spiking. They're down about 500 points. Oil is down. Bonds are up. A lot of concerns out there in the market. And we are back right after this. All right, well, you can see a lot of red on the screen if you want to find a silver lining. Dow futures are off their lows just a bit, but still down more than 400. All right, let's get a quick check on some of your top stories outside of the Omicron variant. The Federal Trade Commission wants information from Amazon, Walmart, and others on how they are handling ongoing supply chain crunches. The FTC is saying the move is not part of any law enforcement action, but rather a study into whether the problems have led to any anti-competitive behavior and higher prices. The agency has also asked Procter & Gamble, Kroger, Tyson Food & Craft for information. And it says it also wants to find out what companies are doing to fix the problems and how they allocate products among stores when products are scarce. In the meantime, Elon Musk taking to Twitter to share his own supply chain frustrations in a response to a user's tweet asking for a Cybertruck update. Musk writing, oh man, this year has been such a supply chain nightmare and it's not over. He added, quote, we'll provide an updated product roadmap on the next earnings call, end quote. Musk had previously said he would stop speaking on Tesla's quarterly conference calls, though it doesn't mean somebody else can't speak to that issue for him. An FDA advisory panel is set to meet today to review Merck's experimental COVID pill. Remember that? The agency will decide whether the grant to grant emergency use authorization ahead of that meeting. FDA scientists said their review found several potential risks with the treatment, surrounding use and unborn children. But do remember, some antiviral, oral antiviral treatments appear to be on the way. Just something to remember in the face of the latest new COVID strain headlines. All right, let's turn now to the American consumer. Shoppers apparently not in the mood to spend all day online in front of a computer screen clicking on deals on Monday. Early figures show that flat sales, along with retailers hoping that West Coast shoppers would swing in late to help save the day, may simply not have happened. Courtney Reagan joining us now with the latest figures for the retail sector. And Courtney, it's not all bad. It means maybe people actually got out into, you know, the mall and small business and not just on their computer. Absolutely. That is true, Brian. From some of the numbers that we saw this weekend, store traffic was pretty strong. But you mentioned those peak hours were really estimated between 7 p.m. and 11 p.m. Pacific time. So that was actually just a few hours ago. The preliminary data doesn't include those hours. And it does show less than supercharged spending online for Cyber Monday. So as of 9 p.m. Eastern or 6 
p.m. Pacific Cyber Monday. Online sales were $7.1 billion. That's flat compared to last year, according to Adobe Analytics. Now, the firm still expects the final Cyber Monday tally to be between 10.4 and 11.1 billion, marking the biggest online shopping day of the year. Although, depending on the final total, it may not be higher than last year. And this does come after a 1% drop in online sales year over year on Black Friday and flat growth on Thanksgiving Day online. Remember, though, this is compared to 2020, when the pandemic pre-vaccine really poured an accelerant of sorts on online sales and kept many shoppers at home. Plus, early shopping this year likely played some role. Many retailers reported stronger than expected sales ahead of the typical holiday season, and Adobe estimates more than $99 billion was spent online in the first 28 days of November. That's up more than 13.5% from last year. So staying on par with those levels from last year isn't all that troublesome. But yes, it is disappointing from the expectations that we had seen for about 5% growth from these big shopping holidays. Now, discounts have been smaller with the supply chain crunch and subsequent inflation, averaging about 12% off instead of 27% last year. Plus, consumers frankly have shown the willingness to pay fuller prices. Product availability has been an issue. Adobe says out-of-stock messaging online is up 258% compared to pre-pandemic holiday season 2019. Cashback shopping firm Rakuten reported preliminary spending through its platform was 24% higher than last year, with department stores, apparel, health and beauty among its top trending categories. So these are just early figures, Brian. We'll see if the West Coast ended up pulling through. But I think there's different ways to look at these results. It may not be all that bad when you think about how strange of a year last year was as the comparison year. Well, you know how much I love <clears throat> the day that we will not call something Er Monday. You know, I just <laughs> Cyber Monday. You know, I can't stand it because it goes back to the age when no one had a computer at home. And it was like, oh, I got to go to the right. office and, you right, know, secretly shop online. It, kind of like Black Friday, you wonder if, you know, with COVID and with everything else going on, are these huge two days, are they going to change permanently? What's your, what's your retail radar telling you, Courtney? Yeah. I mean, I think I think it already has started to change, Brian. I think Black Friday with each subsequent year does get a little bit smaller when it comes to traffic in the stores. The last two years are a little hard to play with because they ended up reclosing the retailers on Thanksgiving. And so then that pulled some traffic back into Black Friday. Um, but I, I do think even though it is still the biggest day of the year, Black Friday for in-store shopping, it's smaller than it used to be. And to your point with Cyber Monday, we don't need to go to work to use the high-speed internet to shop. We can do it from our phones in our pocket at any time on any day. And so I also think that that's something that has just been changing over the years. But it just allows retailers to sort of put a signpost in to mark these big days. And it is nice to get back to the stores. And by the way, small businesses, so many of which in the Northeast got closed last year. Seeing old friends and faces, perhaps. Going to what's that donut place in Centerville, Ohio? Dorothy's? Bill's Donuts. Bill's Donuts. Bill's. Bill's Donuts. Going there and seeing your sister in law. Mom and Dad drove us some Bill's Donuts this Thanksgiving. Yep. Thank you. Got good folks. That's 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 high quality Ohio yeah, stuff did. right there. Cordy Reagan, thank I you. I know. All right. It sure is. <laughs> All right, as we head to break, a programming note. Be sure to join CNBC's Pro Talks with ARK Invest Kathy Wood 
She shares her top investment ideas heading into 2022, answer questions from pro subscribers. That is tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern Time at cnbc.com slash pro. These pro events, we've done a few. They're worth your time. Sign up, subscribe. These are long-form interviews. Very cool. Dow futures off the lows, still down more than 400. Oil down 2%. We're back right after this. All right, well, today's RBI has to do with what else? The markets and your money and the global attention on the latest variant known as Omicron. And by the way, that is how it's pronounced. It is Omicron. It's not Omicron or anything else. Anyway, however you say it, it is injecting massive volatility and uncertainty into the global markets, a la this morning. And it is world leaders tripping over themselves to do more to stop the spread. Well, despite the fresh uncertainty around the virus, Wall Street is not entirely convinced that Omicron is going to be a major story in a few months. Deutsche Bank put out a flash survey yesterday. They asked hundreds or more than a thousand clients around the world with regard to the new variant. By the end of the year, do you think this will be either largely forgotten about, still an issue, but only of moderate importance or the biggest topic within financial markets? Look at the responses. 60% said still an issue, but only of moderate importance. 30% were more optimistic, saying Omicron would largely be forgotten about by year's end. I doubt that, but hope so. Only 10% of people responding thought it would be the biggest issue out there. Maybe because they're optimistic due to history on their side. The World Health Organization labeled Delta, remember that variant? A variant of concern on May 7th. The market quickly turned down falling just under 4-5% on the S&P 500 in just a few days while all the headlines got sorted out. And once they did, markets bounced back, with the S&P 500 at least coming into this morning, up about 10% since then. Could this become worse than Delta? Of course it could. There is a ton that we don't know. And excess mutations, words like variant mutations, are making people nervous. How could they not? They're scary words. But we have come a long way from the early days of this virus, and we are in a much better position to respond to continued developments in the fight against COVID, vaccines, plus antivirals, and treatment as well. But the market's saying this may not be that big of a deal by the end of the year. That's the market. We shall see. Random, but interesting. Or let's dive further into this and the trading day taking shape. Joining us now once again is Kate Battis, Grace Capital founder and CEO. Kate it's good to have you back on. And again, uh, you know, a lot of red on the screen, a lot we don't know, a lot of guesses out there. How do we remain, you know, keep calm and, and mark it on, I guess? Well, Brian, I'm not that concerned about the red. The backdrop you have to remember is we have had a very strong year. Before this, the market was due to be up 25%. So I think the market is using this Omicron to take a pause and say, Let's just hold on a second. In the meantime, Brian, there's lot, there are lots of bargains out there. So I think that's what I'd be focused on. Yeah, and the macro markets are one thing. And like we've said earlier in the show, and I tweeted out, there's many things at play. Your Omicron will get the headlines, but there's options activity. Oh, by the way, it's the end of the month. Options roll over as well. There may be other things happening under the hood of the market other than just Omicron. Important to note. One thing we love about having you on, Kate, from up there in Boston, is you always bring new ideas. You're not afraid to take a flyer on some beaten up names. And Roku has gotten rocked lately and not in a good way. You're a buyer of Roku. I'm a buyer of Roku. 
Roku is down on a number of concerns. Remember, it's down 50%. This is 50%. Hard to believe. People are concerned about, they thought Roku, they viewed Roku really as a pandemic play. TV sets are up. The price of TV sets is up 40% year on year. They're also concerned about supply chain. Roku does have equipment. The supply chain issues are also concerned about advertisers. Here's the bottom line. Roku has 50 million users. The company is now only trading at 10 times revenue. It makes money. Roku is here to stay. Streaming is here to stay. I am a buyer of Roku, Brian. You know, unfortunately, we, we love having you here to stay. We know you got up early for us. So many headlines this morning with the markets. Kate, got to cut it there. We're going to get you back on very soon. I want to talk about another one of your picks, Bumble, but don't give it away yet. I just did. Kate Faddis of Grace <laughs> Capital. We'll see you very soon, I promise. Thank you very much, Brian. All right, you're very welcome, Kate. Thank you. All right, that does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. we got Dow futures off 400, oil down more than 2%. The dollar's on the move. Bonds are on the move. Another big day. We're going to get more with the Squawk Gang. Pick it up the coverage next. We will see you tomorrow right here on Worldwide Exchange. Have a great day. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.